Welcome to the Common Ground Unity Podcast, where we have great conversations with unity-minded Christians. Our goal is to encourage unity of the Spirit within the Stone Campbell Movement and beyond. We believe unity starts with a cup of coffee. So grab a cup and join us as we seek to fulfill Jesus' prayer that we may all be one. And now, here are your co-hosts, Megan Rawlings and... Kevin Witham. Well, welcome everyone for another podcast with Common Grounds Unity. We are back today with Jeff Walling. And I say we, um, usually I'm co-hosting this with our great co-host Megan Rawlings, but Megan is uh, out last week and this, she'll be back with us next week. Uh, so we miss me- uh, having Megan on board, but we're we're back today with Jeff Walling. And Jeff joined us last week, and I gave a, a good introduction to Jeff, I think, that covered some of his ministry in uh, speaking to the different segments of our movement and young people, um, talked a little bit about his background both in congregational ministry and then his more, uh, I'd say, public ministry and brotherhood-wide ministry to churches of Christ, Christian churches, international churches of Christ. Um, I want to focus a little bit now on his work with Pepperdine University. Jeff, in recent years, uh, is building upon what's been a lifetime of pouring into young people. He works for and with Pepperdine University as the director of the Youth Leadership Initiative there. Uh, So he and his wife, Catherine, left congregational ministry back with the Providence Road uh, Church of Christ um, in Charlotte, North Carolina, uh, some years back and moved back out here to Southern California to God's country, uh, where he originally comes from and started working there with Pepperdine, where he uh, leads that initiative, uh, leads uh, a great camp every year at Pepperdine Crossways. He uh, heads up the Next Gen Preacher Search, developing uh, future preachers in this movement. So his life right now is really devoted to uh, raising up that next generation of Christian leaders. I didn't mention last week, Jeff has just a terrific wife and life partner, Catherine, uh, who is just a delight. Um, and they have three married sons uh, and and grandkids as well. Uh, so he's got a great family. Jeff, so good to have you back with us and to uh, take off in the second part of our conversation. I want to talk a little bit about your work with the Youth Leadership Initiative. Well, thanks, Kevin. I, I appreciate being back with you. And uh, I'm, I am sorry I didn't get a chance to meet Megan. You bragged on her so much. Uh, so you, you'll have to bring me back sometime just so I can get a chance to hear her. She is a great part of this, uh, this program week to week and uh, miss her when she's gone, but look forward to her being back. And so we'll have to have you back when she's here. Sure. Well, let me, let me without correcting you, maybe be, add an addendum. Uh, I, I guess I, I'm a little sensitive when somebody said, well, now he's no longer in ministry, uh, that uh, I, I actually am on the teaching team at Shepherd Church, Independent Christian Church here in Los Angeles, and uh, preach there about 10 times a year, also, uh, you know, do some life group material for them and other things. So uh, I, I've kept my foot in ministry because I, yes. I just, I can't imagine not being in it. Well, and and not only that, not uh, good correction. You can correct me anytime. That is a great addendum, perhaps I should say, uh, because I don't think you'll ever be out of congregational 
ministry and preaching. You're coming to preach for the congregation where I serve, and you preach in congregations uh, so often that it's probably hard to be in your home church. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. boy, I appreciate your pointing that out. And I'll say to our listeners, uh, look out for times when Jeff might be in your area um, preaching for a church there. Uh, sometimes Jeff's preaching for a church of a couple of hundred and sometimes for, you know, five and 10,000. Uh, you never know where he's going to show up and uh, and bless that church. So look out for him in your area. Jeff, tell us a little bit about your work with Pepperdine and the Youth uh, Leadership Initiative. Well, uh, tell us about your ministry there and what you're trying to accomplish and what the school is trying to accomplish. Well, thanks. Thanks for asking. When a dear friend of mine, who is now a vice chancellor here at the university, uh, said that Pepperdine really wanted to make sure that they were continuing to bless students from Churches of Christ and from the Stone Campbell movement, uh, he, he kind of got in through the back door. I'd been in ministry for more than 30 years as far as preaching ministry. But he sat down with me in the whiteboard and said, what, what would it take for us to reach uh, more students from the Churches of Christ? Uh, you, you've been to Pepperdine before, Kevin, so you know that we have just a very ugly campus. It's, oh, it's, it's hard terrible. to attract We had two sons here. graduate from there, and I uh, <laughs> wish I, I could have did. gone and lived there in the dorm with him. For a, oh, man, a I, I almost hate to tell you, I'm looking out my guest room window here, which during COVID is also my office, uh, at the Pacific Ocean. Oh. I, I, I never thought I would live this close to the Pacific Ocean. <laughs> And I'm convinced oh. that, uh, that the angels had to giggle when God said, see that piece of property? I'm going to give that to the Church of Christ. Oh, so, absolutely. What a story that is. It, it is. It <laughs> is. So, so here I am at this school that started back in 1937 by a person who was so convicted about the need for Christian education and, and yet was also convicted that it needed to be quality education. So Pepperdine has has really wrestled for years with the tension between two things that many universities would typically say you have to choose. Either you've got excellence in education, you're going to go after any kind of professor, no matter what their background, whether they're Christian or not, or you're going to be a Christian university. And so you've got to make sure that every one of your professors, uh, you know, has agreement with the doctrine of the church, et cetera. And I love what Andy Benton, a former president here, used to say, we refuse to choose. Hmm. So they are committed here at this university. We're committed to a Christian education, that being a, an education that puts Christ at the middle, an education that makes sure every student, I don't care if you come here to be in sports medicine or psychology, uh, or you come here to be in the religion division, you're going to have Old Testament, New Testament class, class on the life of Christ. You're going to go to chapel. And so through the years, Pepperdine's success, quite frankly, has, has been a challenge. Well, tell us a little bit about that. Why is success a challenge? Well, you see, Pepperdine has become uh, in the top 50 as far as academically uh, universities in all universities in the nation. And this coming year, uh, we have about 13,000 applications for about eight or 900 freshman spots. Mm. So, so it, it means we've got to find, if we want to have Restoration kids, kids from the Stone Campbell movement attending here, we've got to find these bright, gifted kids and encourage them to come here. So that's, that's part of my ministry. It is to reach out, locate, and encourage bright young Christian students to come learn to be great leaders here at Pepperdine. 
And when I was brought in, I got a chance to spend Pepperdine's money to begin new programs to do that. Well, tell us a little bit about those programs. What kinds of things are you doing specifically? Well, you mentioned a couple of them. One is a, a really just a an extension of what my dad used to do with us boys when he'd get us up to teach us to do five-minute talks. We started a few years back a digital outreach to students who are in high school or college with an interest in preaching. We invite them just to do a five-minute lesson, and then we send that out to ministers like you, Kevin. You help us with this. We send that out to ministers who will review it, give them some good feedback, but also give us some evaluation scores, and we pick a couple of dozen of them and invite them to Pepperdine University for two days of coaching and training and preaching for free. We'll bring in speakers and uh, coaches from other universities and use our own team, and it is, I mean, it's like a revival. What I didn't see coming, I'll be honest with you, is how many young women are interested. In fact, this year, we have more young women in the group that we invited to come, it had to be on Zoom because of COVID, than we had young men. And that's that's a hallmark moment. There are some great and gifted young female speakers, and our churches are going to have to figure out where and how to make space for them to be able to use their gifts. So the Next Gen Preacher Search is one of those uh, projects. Uh, and for those out there saying, well, how can my kid be a part of that? Just go to nextgenpreachersearch.com. That does sound like a commercial, doesn't it? Lame name, but I promise. (laughs) That is a great commercial. And and you know what I love about that is, like you said, that's how I got started preaching, but doing it within the context of the local church. So it seems that if you can get local churches starting to do that again, uh, yours could be a next step in that development. so, that would be that'd be a marvelous thing, Kevin. And I know there are more than one church out there that does uh, Next Gen Sunday, not necessarily named after our program, but we'll have the young men and young ladies get up and speak, whatever the congregation will allow. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other program that I get a chance to lead here is called Crossways. It is a Christian leadership camp, and I say camp loosely because, boy, they they really dig into the question: What has God prepared you for? And what is God calling you to in, in your vocation? Uh, you know, the fancy term is vocational discernment. And so instead of asking, what do you want to be when you grow up? At Crossways for nine days, we select 100 students, juniors and seniors in high school, to come and experience taking time to ask the question, how am I shaped with my gifts, with my passions, with my experiences, in order to say, God, what are you calling me to and how you want me to bless the world. Uh, I, I have not had as much fun, I got to tell you, as I've had in a long time here at Pepperdine working in Crossways, seeing these students come in from all kinds of backgrounds and from all over the country. And after that week is over, each one of them leaves with a life map. And the whole event uh, only costs $200. That's room and mm. board and everything. Oh, that's amazing. We have a lot of parents say, can I come for that? And the answer is no, sorry, only students. <laughs> well, I was going to see if I, am I too old to sign up? Yeah. <laughs> and those are great questions to, to get those young people thinking about. You've been working with young people all of your life, uh, pouring in in different ways, uh, teaching to them, preaching to them, interacting with them. Uh, 
Is there something different about this postmodern generation? And what, what do we need to be thinking about or learning if we really want to reach them? I think that's a question uh, that churches everywhere are asking and wrestling with. How, how would you respond to that? Well, Kevin, it is the question that is asked so often, but I've got to tell you uh, that it's the wrong question. Young people today are the same biologically, physiologically, pretty much, as young people were 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 or 60 or 100 years ago. What is different is the culture and society that our young people are growing up in. And we all know that when you're put into a different setting, you'll start behaving differently, whether in, uh, you know, in affiliation with and, and in connection with that setting or in a, in a rebellion to that setting and saying, no, I don't want this. Uh, what's different is not the students. It is their access to information. It is the pressure of, you know, the worst thing you could do to somebody when you and I were in junior high school, Kevin, might be to write a bad thing about them on the wall of a bathroom. Mm -hmm. Today, you can write a bad thing about them on the wall of the world, right? Yeah. You can post something on Facebook. I mean, it's, it's so frightening. If you wanted to take a look at, <clears throat> at some uh, inappropriate pictures, Kevin, which I'm sure you never did, uh, you'd have to go down to the liquor store, and, and there might be a couple of magazines that if nobody was looking, you could peek at. Today, every junior high student carries around in their pocket all the porn they could want because it's all accessible through their phone. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's just, it's, it's yeah. just amazing. And then we wonder why when they come to church, they may not be as interested, uh, as intrigued. Well, uh, when, I was, when I was a kid, if somebody said, how many preachers have you heard preach? Well, I might be able to name six or seven or maybe even ten because I was a preacher's kid. Most would say, well, just two or three. Today, I can hear anybody I want, and not just preachers. I can hear any comedian. I can hear any public presenter, inspirational uh, lecturer. And so students today have this comparison that puts the church in a real tough spot if we're trying to play the game of, oh, we've got to be as good as fill in the blank. So I guess two things. One, yes, we have to embrace the technology. We've got to figure out how to do it as well as we can. But we're never going to out Spielberg Spielberg. Mm. We're never going to out Broadway Broadway. What we have to do is remember that what we have, we have the best news in the world. So we want to share it in the best way possible. But it is the gospel. It is grace. It is the good news that will cause a teen to stop and say, I need that. I need that desperately. More so than I need the next iPhone. So if you're sitting down with a group of church leaders, giving them some, some counsel, some guidance, and boy, I think I think church leaders would really lean in and want to hear this because I hear this being talked about everywhere I go. Um, what are a couple of things you might offer to say, hey, folks, here's some ways to, to adapt and communicate to this 
current generation and to minister in relevant ways to young people? What what changes might need to be made or what things need to be capitalized on? Hmm. Well, it is a great question. And having sat in rooms with elders and ministers through the years, uh, it is a question that we often ask. And so my first answer is, why would you ask me? I'm 63 years old. Why don't you get some of those high school students in that elders meeting with you? Why don't you get some of those young college students in a committee meeting with you? You know, the first thing that most churches need to do is to decide that they're not going to have a silent barrier, an unspoken, invisible glass barrier between being able to serve in meaningful ways as a church and having to be fill in the blank, 20, 30, 40, having to have been at that church for a given number of years. Teens today are used to being able to have their fingerprints on their world. Nobody buys an album anymore because, well, you got to buy the album to get that song. You just you make up your own playlist. Teens don't sit around waiting for, you know, ABC to show The Wizard of Oz. They can watch any movie they want whenever they want to use it. And they can personalize their phones. And they can personalize the screens on their computers. And then they walk into church on Sunday morning. And everything is locked down. Hmm. Well, no wonder. So first I'd say invite them into the mix. Invite them to talk about what, what do you think would engage your friends? What is it that you think our church needs to be? Second, we have to help them to understand that a congregation is not like a playlist. A church is not going to be like, you know, redoing the screen on your phone because we are a common table. You know, we talk about common grounds here and and getting together, but the common table aspect of fellowship is something that this generation would love if they can get it and understand it. Common table means we're all sitting around the table. We're all eating the same food. I used to say, you know, when you go to grandma's house, she's probably going to serve some things you love and some things you don't like. But when we went to grandma's house, we took a little bit of everything. <laughs> and so when I show up on Sunday morning, I can't say, man, the music should all be, the preaching should all be. This is where teens get to learn what it means to be family. Intergenerational ministry is so important. So, so what we've tended to do, this segmenting of our congregations, of always having young people just with young people and older people just with old older people. That, that hasn't necessarily been healthy. And this generation of young people, like all generations of young people, need more intergenerational ministry. Well, yeah, and I'd be careful because there's certainly times when it is beneficial. Uh, anyone who's ever taught a, a, a three-year-old's class know there are things that are effective for three-year-olds to learn. And anyone who has ever had the three-year-old teacher not show up and all those three-year-olds flood into an adult Bible class <laughs> knows that that's not necessary <laughs> and effective setting. So, so recognizing there are times 
for that uh, appropriate, age-appropriate separation. But when it becomes the norm, then when I'm forced to sit in church, you remember that, Kevin? Sitting in church. Yes. Oh, man. That was we were, tough. We were having this conversation recently about, uh, in our own congregation, having, having the kids in with us until after the Lord's Supper. Right. Yeah, because we hadn't been doing that for a while. They'd go right into children's worship. And somebody uh, made the point, well, you know, the one who taught me to worship was my dad, who if, if I wouldn't sit still for a bit, he, he gave me a look. Uh, that said, I can march you right out of here and be sure you <laughs> behave. But but th- we need both. We need to be teaching at their level, but also that. And, and that's what I think I hear you saying, that time together with the family as a whole. It's yeah, not all about me, but boy, there's got to be some things and, and for he, and, me. And here's the deal. If that kid is looking up at the stage, are they seeing anybody that looks like them? Uh, Marshall Keeble used to uh, take some young men with him when he would go to speak, a powerful black brother who preached and taught in Churches of Christ in Los Angeles. They used to call him Keeble's boys because they would be 12 or 13 or 14. And rather than read the scripture himself in his lessons, he'd say, John, read Mark 16 or read, read John 3, verse 4, and I'll follow. And boy, he would get up and he was ready to do his reading. It was inspiring. But we have at times, become so professionalized that, oh, well, we wouldn't, we wouldn't want the kids to get up there. We hardly even let new members get up there. We want it to be professional. Yes, there's a need for people not to feel like, oh, my goodness, you know, I've come to the clampets here. <laughs> but when we turn it into the stage is for pros only, we're going to start teaching people without ever saying it, that your prayers must be beautiful, moving like Shakespeare and sound just like they were read by a professional announcer. Mm. And that the lesson, the lesson has to conform to a certain kind of space and frame that really hits that 40-year-old or 50-year-old right between the eyes. But the 13-year-old is, is lost along the way. It's a challenge for those of us who preach. But I believe it's a healthy challenge. And I think Jesus dealt with it. Let the little children come to me, for such is the kingdom of heaven, right? Mm. Jeff, let me ask you this. Uh, How are the questions that young people are asking and that we need to be helping them find answers to, how have those changed Mm. over the course of your lifetime in ministry? Well, again, thinking about the exposure to information that this generation has, especially when you get all the way down to Gen Zs, right, the the high school students of today, you recognize that they are exposed to so much more, so much sooner. So junior high students today are dealing with the challenges and difficulties that high school or college students would have been dealing with when you and I might have been in high school. Mm which means you've got fourth and fifth graders who are being exposed to stuff that I might not even have seen in high school and having to deal with what does this mean? How do I react to this? What's right? What's wrong? Um, You know, literally, uh, puberty in every way has been shoved earlier, which is a, a scary thing. And also, the length of time before people are getting married has been stretched later. 
So what we end up with is this crazy time that we might call adolescence, which now might begin at 11 and might not end till 26. <laughs> uh, that's just, that's a challenging reality. And yet we need to find ways in and through our families and through our churches to say, how, how can we minister to, in a loving way, these students who are getting faced with so much, so much more, so much sooner? And, and a lot of it is challenging. I don't know how many atheists you knew when you were in elementary school. Yeah. I don't know how many kids you knew in sixth grade who said they were gay. Um, and for those of us who are older, we've got to be so thoughtful that we don't just shut the door of conversation. And the quickest way mm. to do that is with the roll of the eyes or with the, well, I just can't believe that. I mean, we become our parents yes, or grandparents, and the door to conversation shuts. One of the sweetest things that a teen can hear is from a mother, a father, an older mentor saying, tell me about that. You know, the, the term reverse yeah. mentoring has to do with the, uh, well, basically it has to do with grandma having her junior high school grandchild show her how to work the remote control for her <laughs> Apple TV, right? Yes. And, and reverse mentoring in the church means that we who have lived longer with Jesus, we have things to share but we need to listen so that we can understand both the context and the way that young people are hearing the gospel. It's one of the things that has led some folks to use different names to describe their churches. You know, I've preached at Journey Church and Adventure Church, and there would have been a time when I'd have been so uptight about whatever moniker they hung over the church door. And yet today, Christ can be preached and can be in the center of Journey Church or uh, Elevation or uh, Shepherd Church. And a young person can walk in with a friend who might, quite frankly, never have walked through the door of some place that said in bold letters, the church of fill-in-the-blank, right? Right. Uh, there's, there's some language barriers that we just we just have to confess and admit Jesus and Christ is universally loved, but church, religion, even Christianity, unfortunately, there's been a lot of baggage that has been tied to that language, and we've done some of the time, mm. and we can either try and fight to, quote, do a repair on a word like, you know, religion or church, or we can decide why in the world would I fight over a word when I, the word I really just want them to know is Jesus. Mm. Um, I know I was speaking with a leader who says, I, I've quit calling myself Christian. And I said, what? And he said, no, no, relax. I believe in Jesus and I'm committed to him. I just call myself a Christ follower. Yeah. And he said, when I say that, I have seen in the eyes of a 20 or a 22-year-old student who goes, yeah. Or if I'd simply said I'm a Christian, there's so much, unfortunately, that is attached to that. I mean, you're, you're familiar 
And if any of the listeners haven't read yet, Unchristian, uh, a book by the George Barna uh, group uh, written, I believe, by David Kenneman, who is just up yes. the road from us here at Pepperdine in Ventura. Um, when they surveyed people and asked them, what do you think of when you think of Christians or Christianity? The top answers among non-believers were elitist, homophobic, hypocritical, legalistic. Oh, all the things that we do not want to be. And the, the writer in the book simply said, it's weird. People thought, Christian? Uh, and they described us as unchristian, mm. unlike Jesus, who was welcoming to all, who was loving, who put the focus on grace and caring, who was humble <laughs> yeah. and not at all a pharisaical or elitist. It, it's a challenging time in in the culture we're in to teach truth and grace. Mm -hmm. And boy, that's, I think, the challenge for the church kind of moving forward, how, how to teach those two things well. To Absolutely. Really show God's and, love. And, and it can't be an either or. It, it, it just can't. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I love what a buddy of mine, Caleb Kaltenbach, uh, has said about truth and grace. He always brings a rubber band in his pocket. Because he says, if you, if you have truth, and then you have grace, you will have tension. You can't mm. have truth and grace without tension. You take a look at Paul's writings in what Romans, where he talks about, oh, you know, boy, can I send that grace may abound? No, not at all. I mean, even he has to put this picture of the tension between, I want to do what's right, but I can't think for a minute that I'm ever going to get it right, and I'm not going to heaven because I get it right, and yet I don't want to do what is wrong. And so Caleb will just stretch that rubber band out. And he says the challenge is that what we'll do is we'll grab one end of it and say that's the only end. And sure enough, if you let go of one end of it and just, it is, it is limp with no tension and no power. Boy, that is a powerful picture. Mm -hmm. I'd, I'd almost like for us to come back at another point in the future, Jeff, and, and explore that idea, because I think yeah. it has applications beyond youth ministry. Oh, It has application to our unity that we're trying to pursue. Uh, hey, you have given us some terrific advice. Uh, you've, you've laid out some, some great uh, challenges that we face and talked about those. I want to end with... Here, here you are working there at Pepperdine, working with a lot of young people, uh, not only there, but in places where you go to speak. What excites you about this generation? What just really lights a fire in you when you uh, are with them and experience them in their faith? Looking forward, just uh, again, what excites you that you see? I am excited at the optimism and energy of this generation, and, and quite frankly, it comes with every generation. That optimistic spirit, that as we stand on the sidelines, as they idealistically talk about something, I, I bite my tongue from saying, well, now, just a minute here, because that's so <laughs> easy to do. Mm. But when they get excited about an idea, excited about a concept, shut up and get out of the way. <laughs> I, I once heard the fellow who started, I think it was Burger King, uh, say in an interview when somebody asked him, well, 
what would you do differently if you knew then what you know now about the restaurant business? What would you do? And he said, I would never have started a restaurant. <laughs> I would never have, have, have launched Burger King because if I knew all the challenges, and in the same way, young people who are able just to say, man, what if we just love Jesus? And I want to say, well, now here's the difficulty. Just hush up, Jeff. And let that enthusiasm and excitement, uh, seriously, uh, and I would, I'd say to your listeners, if you want to just get a dose of hope and optimism, go to nextgenpreachersearch.com, just nextgen, G-E-N, preachersearch.com, and click on the gallery and watch a few of those little five-minute lessons given by high schoolers and college students. You will come away with such great hope for the church and hope for tomorrow because God is at work in these young people. As Paul says to Timothy, don't let them look down on you because you are young. Let's Amen. give them room to use those gifts. And I've done that. I've watched some of those, and what a blessing it is. It'll stir your heart. So I hope folks do that. Jeff, it has been so good to be with you. We, I could continue this conversation. And there's so many other directions that we could go, but I know you've got to get off somewhere. There's one question that Megan would uh, really be annoyed with if I didn't ask, um, and so I want to be sure to ask it. Uh, unity is about, or Common Ground Unity is based on the idea of, hey, it all starts with a cup of coffee. Mm. Uh, start building relationships with people in your own local community, uh, in this movement, other believers. So uh, this is probably the, the hardest question or deepest I'm going to ask. Uh, how do you take your coffee? <laughs> <laughs> well, I do want to say the reason I've got to finish this podcast is because in about uh, nine minutes uh, downstairs outside our house, we're going to have a group of, high school, of college students who are coming over for a Bible study. Oh, and we do that. that we do that once a week during the school year, and uh, it, it keeps me young. It is what excites me. And with regard to, to my coffee, oh, Kevin, I'm about to just lose man points, I'm afraid. I don't drink coffee. My mother loved it, couldn't start her day without a cup. I I've tried putting sugar in it. I've tried putting milk in it. I've tried pouring Coca-Cola. I mean, I I'm sorry. Coffee, now, coffee is an intelligence test. You, <laughs> you drink it and go, oh man, that's bitter. Oh man, that's something. Can I have something else? No, all the coffee drinkers <laughs> out there, I, I, I wish my palate were as educated as yours. Now, does Catherine drink coffee? She does. And my son is a pour over coffee nut. Oh, oh, he's good got, stuff. he's got a scale and a timer. Oh, and, he, oh he's yeah. an aficionado. He makes coffee that would make Starbucks weep. It's so good. <laughs> well, listen, next time I'm with you, I'm just going to try to introduce you to the right coffee. <laughs> right. I just, maybe you haven't tried the right coffee. As a matter of fact, you're not the first of our uh, our guests who, here we have this, uh, this theme of unity starts with a cup of coffee. I can't tell you how many people I've learned don't drink coffee. So well, maybe I need to talk to the... Uh, the, the leadership of this whole movement and say, maybe we need to say tea or coffee or go grab a Coke with somebody. Well, you, you do need to be careful. I, I wouldn't want the organization simply to say, you know, unity begins with a drink. Uh, that, that, <laughs> that, 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 you probably ought, ought to say coffee there. That normally, is good when advice. Somebody, when somebody asks me, hey, do you drink coffee? I say, oh, no, I'm a Christian. 
<laughs> well, we better leave it at that. And maybe we have to rethink our slogan. Well, Jeff, so good to be with you. And blessings to you. And boy, may God bless your ministry and your your life and, and of course, your family. You, you've got kids in ministry and grandkids now. So may God bless you. Thanks so much for being with us. Thank you, Kevin. Have a great week, everyone. Join us again next week. We've got Bob Russell coming to join us. So we hope you'll oh, be that'll be great next week. It's going to be a great one. It's going to be a great one. Thank you for listening to the Common Grounds Unity podcast with Megan and Kevin. Please check out commongroundsunity.org to learn more about who we are. There are plenty of resources and you can subscribe to the weekly email articles, join the Facebook group or find our YouTube channel. We've also provided a link in the show notes for comments. You can ask questions or suggest topics and guests. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can do that too through the show notes or on our website. Until next time, God bless. And remember, unity starts with a cup of coffee.